0: About two thousand years ago, when Jesus was on Earth, he was um, he was baptized, and then the Holy Spirit came. He went to the desert, got tempted forty days. He came back out, and then before he started his ministry in Luke chapter four, Jesus went into uh, his hometown in the synagogue that uh, that was situated in his hometown on the on the Sabbath, and he basically somebody handed over to him the Book of Isaiah. And then he read the book of Isaiah, and we're going to read that book, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 104. And Jesus began to declare the mission statement for his church. That was his mission statement. He said at the end of Luke that today... This scripture is fulfilled, meaning it's starting now. The The mission statement is starting right now. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, God has not changed his mission statement yet. So as long as we are still alive on this earth before he comes back, all that we do is to fulfill the mission statement that he uttered. And he uttered a prophetic words that was written by his Holy Spirit to the world 700 years prior to him entering as Jesus Christ, Son of God. And this scripture we're going to read was written 700 years prior to Jesus' coming. And this is the mission of this church. And whatever we do, You know, when Jesus commissioned his church in Mark 16, that commission was to fulfill this mission. The commission of Jesus for us was to fulfill this mission. We can't do it on our own strength. That's why in Acts, Jesus specifically instructed his disciple to go and wait in Jerusalem so that you can be filled with the power of God. You and I cannot fulfill this mission unless we have the Holy Spirit. We're going to get back to that later on. But make no mistake that this is the mission of this church. You know, I've gone to, met, you know, being a pastor, as you see, I'm always very nosy and always check out other churches. You know, I, that's, that's me, right? So if you're working in any industry, you want to check out, you know, uh, what's going on in the industry. So you go to different companies and check out, you know, what's, what's the other companies doing. And so they kind of know what's happening, right? And uh, being a pastor, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nosy. I want to see what God is doing in the city and, and so forth. And I see a lot of churches have amazing mission statements. just blows me away. Sometimes I feel like I want to copy them, you know. Just so good. But you know, the Holy Spirit said to me uh, a number of months ago, he says, son, do you know what my mission statement is? I couldn't even answer him. At that time, I didn't know. I said, oh, you know, we're here to, to, uh, to, uh, to be the light of the world, you know. We're here to make a difference in the city. We're here to be the, uh, the house of prayer, you know. We're here to, to do this and that. We're here, we want to be known as the place that people can worship God, have an encounter with God. They're all great mission statements. But Jesus, so clearly, he said, do you know what my mission statement is? I said, oh, go into way and preach the gospel. He said, that's a commission. That's not a mission statement. What is my mission statement? I honestly didn't know how to answer him. And his Holy Spirit says, do you remember what I said before I began my ministry that I've been looked for? He said this. This is my mission statement, Isaiah 61. And I want us to understand this. You and I are sitting here for this mission. You give for this mission. You pray for this mission. You're part of this church for this mission. I was telling a pastor in the city, he was so kind, he took me to have some really nice Italian food for lunch this weekend. So generous, so nice. And I said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in quite some time ago that I should not be preaching to Christians. My my statements should not be uttering to help, you know, try to convince other Christians from other churches to come to this church. They're all houses of God. They're all worshiping God. Why would we try to convince somebody else to leave the church and come to this church? I know there are sometimes hurts and so forth and whatever, you know. But our mission, our audience in this congregation, your audience and my audience are not believers. Our audience are the unchurched. Our audience of what Jesus had proclaimed in Isaiah 61. I'm going to read it together. So make no mistakes. All that we do during worship, everything, everything when I, what, since that moment, every time when I'm doing something, believe it or not, even the lights and the, and the smoke water, everything we do, I have this in mind. This is our mission. And there'll be Christians that are very unpleased with, with some of the things that we do. And I often say, you know, honey, you're not really not my audience. I want the unbelievers to walk into this church. And have an experience in this church. Not just once. But they walk into this church from parking lot all the way to sitting here. And when they leave here, they will say, I want to go back to the house of God again. All that we do. All that we have. All that we say. All that we sing. All that we do. If it does not accomplish the purpose of this mission we will stop doing. Good work they may be. Very good work. But we will not do it. And so, I want you to pay attention to every word that is being said here. And we're going to read this. And not only are we are going to read in one version, I'm going to read another version so you understand exactly the heart cry of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord God it's upon me. That would be the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord has anointed me, what has the Lord anointed Jesus to do? And what is the mission? What is the Lord going to anoint you and I to do with the Holy Spirit? And by the way, it has to be the Holy Spirit because you cannot use your persuasive words. You cannot use anything of your own ability to do all that Jesus has declared to his church that we must do. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. We ought to bring good news to the poor. We're not going to bring good news to, we're not going to bring judgment to the poor. We're not going to bring holier than thou attitude to the poor. We're going to bring good news to the poor. And this is the good news is that Jesus loves them and Jesus died for them and that the grace that God had made available to them is absolutely free. That's the good news. They are not under condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are not walking after the flesh, but they're walking in the spirit. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm praising it. This is the good news. You are free from condemnation and judgment. This is the good news we preach, is that you have been forgiven. All your sins, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, is forgiven All you have to do is to receive it by faith. Say, God, I want to receive your goodness by faith. It's not from the merit of my own work. It's not from the merit of my own ability or what I have done or haven't done, what I kept or haven't kept. But it is just based on the pure merits of your grace through faith that I am saved. This is the good news to the poor. You don't have to pay anything. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. Not with money. Not with effort. Not with whatever that you think you can offer. There's nothing that you can offer to receive the goodness of God. Absolutely nothing. This is the good news. We got to walk around and walk. we, We should walk around in the city telling people about the good news. Not the church you're part of not 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 the doctrine that you subscribe to but we should walk around tell them you know god loves you so much he'd forgiven you already and it's free this is a good news and when they should come into this church we don't put expectation on people we don't put burden on people we tell them God loves you as you are, come as you are, and He's going to set you free. He's going to give you a new life without any of your own doing but His grace through your faith. This is the good news. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted or to heal, in another translation, the broken heart. To proclaim the liberty, proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. That's basically, it's the the message we ought to preach. Go Go to Amplify. It'll bring some more clarity. Wow, it's really dizzy here. Can you all read it? All right, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach. Okay, let's just stop right there. So many of us don't think we are qualified to share the gospel of Jesus. Maybe because you're struggling with some issues in your life. Maybe you haven't felt like you, you got it all together. Maybe you feel like you don't have a great testimonies. Who cares? Your qualification is not what you have done. Your qualification is the grace of God on you. You are qualified to preach. Yes, you. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm doing in secret. I'm still, I'm still high on my, uh, my on my pot, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm still stoned, you know, I just order online these days because it's, is legal now, Shanda, I. I'm still stoned and, and God is going to set you free from that. But in the meantime don't put everything on hold you are qualified by his grace i've heard of testimony of people actually getting saved by being preached by some drunk you know i mean that's something i'm not going to go through that because i don't want to encourage that kind of behavior but my point is this is that god can if god can use a donkey can you you hear this morning if god can use a donkey he would use you i'm not saying you're a donkey I'm just saying if God, in fact, the word said, if God can make the rock cries out, he can make you to speak his word and proclaim his word. All you need to do is avail yourself. You say, I'm not qualified. I'm not. You are qualified under the blood of Jesus. You are qualified under the grace of God. Oh, oh I'll bring such a shame to God. Believe you me, as you begin to do his work, he will save you, redeem you, set you free, and he too will help you to be healed of your brokenness. Watch this, right? For me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and the afflicted. That's our audience right there. The one who is meek, who's poor, who's afflicted. Are you afflicted this morning? You are the right person in this church. If you are not afflicted, you are a partner with this mission of this church to reach the afflicted. Your giving, your embrace. I tell the volunteers every Sunday morning, your embrace is Jesus' embrace to the afflicted. Let's not judge people or prejudge them when they come in here. Let's just be the hands and feet of Jesus to love them because Jesus loves them deeply and their children. He has sent me. To bind up and heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted? Then you are the audience of this church. You are sitting in the right place at the right time. And eternity had planned you sit here this morning because the gospel is for you. It's for you if you're brokenhearted. You've been you've been betrayed, you've been hurt by people. The gospel is for you. To proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and opening the prison and, and of the eyes of those who are bound. The, many people are bound by two things. One is their habits and their addiction. Another one is they're bound by their, their, their prejudice because of the filter in their, in their education or the surrounding that they have, they have heard and see and established. Paul calls it a stronghold in their mind. The strongholds that had put so much, so many, so much of a cynicism thoughts in them, and ideas and attitude in them, that needs the grace of God to knock it off. But you know, though so many people are struggling with different things, addiction and and sin. God is not here to condemn you. He's not here to, 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 and neither is this church. We're not assigned, we're not called, we're not been given the permission to judge you. Our task as a believer, our task as a church, is to help those who are struggling. They say that, and I've preached that before, bar. It's been considered safer than church. Because when you go to a bar, you talk to the bartender. The bartender doesn't judge you. How do you know that, Pastor Paul? I, I haven't been to a bar before, but I've seen enough movies and TVs. You know, you just sit there. Is it true? Some of you have been, don't need Yeah, you don't want to. That's okay. I'm judging, right? So, 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 so you, just, you, just, you just tell them your story. And then he just keep feeding you alcohol. Right? you just help him and feeding off. I just, you know, it's like a really good relationship. Because you don't feel judged in front of this bartender. He doesn't judge. He's trained not to judge. Because if he judges, he'll lose business. So he has a motivation not to judge you. So if you feel awful, he said, come on, drink away, man. Drink away. <laughs> you know, it's really funny that Paul the Apostle compare. Uh, it's called a negative comparison, being drunk with wine with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just hear the Holy Spirit calling the church To become a place where people can be drunk by the Holy Spirit. They come with their burden. They come with their sorrow. They come with their affliction. They come with all the brokenness. And Jesus' grace will be over them. And we should be the Holy Ghost bartender. I don't know if I can say that, but anyways, you understand what I mean. We just feed them, not with alcohol that is destructive, but we feed them with the Holy Spirit. We say, come and drink. Drink of the fountain of the grace of God. Drink of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with His power. Be living in victory. Have His joy. Have His peace. Have His goodness. And have your eyes open to see more and more of the grace and the goodness and the glory of God. This is what we ought to do as a church. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord the year of his favor, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And by the way, the vengeance is not to human enemies of yours. The vengeance is on the devil. And we always have to remind the devil. You know, this week I was kind of feeling funny in my throat because a lot of, you know, things was going on. And of course, I... I, I take communion every day. I, I just remind myself of the healing of Jesus. And then I say, In the name of Jesus, devil, you, you're trespassing. Don't, don't you dare. Don't you dare. But ha ha ha, you're going to the lake of fire. I just need to add that line just to bug him a little bit. I think you should do that. I say, Hey, devil, do you know you're going to the lake of fire? He may speak things into your mind, in your head, to just discourage you. But remind him, Hey, devil. You're going to the lake of fire. Do you remember that? Ha, ha, ha. Call him a loser. I usually do. I call him, you're such a loser. You're going to the lake of fire. He said, Pastor, don't do that. He's going to attack you. I got the blood of Jesus over me. I got the Holy Spirit inside me. He can't touch one, one strand of my hair. Cannot without the permission of God. I am protected. So I'm not afraid. But anyways, verse 3. To grant those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty full headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness everybody say gladness you're supposed to have gladness in this church you're supposed to come into this church happy and leave happier you're supposed to come into the church sad and leave super happy you know, people that leave this church should be full of beaming, full of joy. And, you know, you go to a restaurant, you know, you have food in a restaurant. You'd be so full of joy and so infectious that the people around you got, go, what's wrong with you? And you can tell them the goodness of God. This is our portion. Gladness instead of mourning. Now, you know, you don't mourn just for mourn's sake. You mourn because you have lost someone. You mourn because something terrible had happened in your environment. And God says, I, I want to give you gladness in your period of mourning. The governor of praise instead of faint spirit. You know what a faint spirit is, right? You go to, you go to, you, sometimes you see some Christians, you know, and they have faint spirit because things were terrible. Just, just things awful had happened to them. So they come to church. They can't praise God. And you can't blame them because they, they're just going through a hard time. So they would come into this church. Being so full of burden. And the reason they come here is because they want to be lifted up. The reason they come here is because they want to meet God. And bless God for some of them that come here. Not even that. just But they just, just love their God. They want to worship God. They, they just love their God. They want to be in his house and with his people to worship God. And God says, for those, I want to give you covenant of praise instead of faint spirit. So God spoke to me about this commission. At the time I said, God, I obey you, I will do what you ask me to do. I will shift my focus. And if you've been in this church long enough, you'll notice the focus that I have, the way I preach is quite different. Some even judge me from being going backsliding or this pastor is going backwards, going to the ways of the world. I, I heard those, but that's okay. It's come with the territory. I, I don't mind being judged. I don't mind being persecuted. I, I will join the party of those being persecuted. Amen. I just, um, thank you, Jesus, you know. Um, so, 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 I don't mind. I, I, because they don't understand. I understand they understand that. But, you know, but I say, God, I'm going to shift my words, the way I speak, to address and speak to those who absolutely need your grace, need to hear your goodness. Need to hear your mercy. It doesn't mean that I'm compromising my standard. You understand that? I tell my worship team, this is, yes, we preach grace in this church. We focus on the grace of God. But it doesn't mean that we compromise our standard in everything. Standard must be upheld because there are certain standards. Like, for example, you know, like the worship team, they have to, you know, they, they have to practice. That's a standard. They they have to pray. I encourage them to pray an hour in the spirit day. That's a standard. There There has to be a standard. But most people who walk into a hospital, they walk in, they don't care about our standard. They just need somebody to help them. People who walk into this church, many of them don't need to know about our standard. They just need to know that Jesus loves them. Jesus wants to heal them. Jesus wants to embrace them. It doesn't matter how many times they fail. God still loves them. And God wants to lift them up. And through the encouragement of the brothers and sisters, and more importantly, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they can be built up and be strong, be strengthened. And instead of becoming a victim, becoming a defeated one, they become more than conquering Christ Jesus. Not with the words, but with the grace of God, with the Holy Spirit. So I say, God, okay, I would do that. And a few months later, probably even a year later, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to keep reading Isaiah 61 and go further down. Then you know why I want you to do that. So verse 3 again. The oil of gladness be given to those. We're talking about the poor, the oppressed, those in prison. Yes, those who are in captivity. Why is it God wants to reach them? Why is it that he wants to touch them? For a church that's praying for revival. You know, I study revival. Some of you have been in this church for a long time. I studied revival. I went around the world to look for revival, to study revival. So I'm like a revival freak, right? Revival nerd. I just love everything about revival. I can tell about the revival from Ireland to China, from United States to South America, from Korea to whatever, to Africa. I can tell you about the revival. I will study each and every one of revival. So I'm like big revival. You say, what is revival? Well, it's a different definition in different, you know, denomination. But I want revival that is of God. And so Jesus showed me the reason he wanted to do this is because of the last, the revival in the last day. Now watch this. Those who are oppressed, those who are hurt, those in prison, those who, 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 who are a poor, meek, Those that God wants us to touch. Do you know why God wants to touch them? Because they may be called the oaks of righteousness. They will be the trees of righteousness in some, in some translation. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. God wants to glorify himself through those who are poor, who are meek, who are broken, who are afflicted, who are in pain, who are in prison, who are struggling with addiction, struggling with lust, struggling with whatever, God wants to call them his righteousness, his tree of righteousness, because he wants to save them, he wants to deliver them, and he wants to use his grace to declare his righteousness over them so that they could be called the righteousness of God. It's not because of what they have done, but because of the grace of God and true faith, they become the righteousness of God, and so that God himself can be glorified. Why, pastor? Why does God want to glorify himself through the oak of righteous through this afflicted people. Go to verse 4. This is the statement of revival. And the Lord said to me, this is going to be my revival. It's not going to be by any preachers, any shows, any famous people. This shall be from the broken, the afflicted, the ones in prison, the ones that are struggling. Verse 4, they shall build up the ancient ruins. Let's talk about the ancient ruins here. The city of Toronto, if you've been living here for a while, you will know that it was called the city of churches. Toronto was famous for for many things, but one of the things that Toronto was very famous for is that every block in the city of Toronto had a church. Every block. And it's called the City of Churches. You know the Toronto Star that I encourage people not to read because they're so left-wing? They, if you go back to um, uh, the earliest days of Toronto Stars, they will be writing about the gospel. They'll be writing about the things of God. All those churches we see today are in ruins, meaning nobody attend them. There was this church just down the street, United Church. They just announced a closing service October 26th. Today is the closing service. Many of the churches have become condo, fitness club, bar, whatever. You think those famous preachers are going to help rebuild those? I would submit to you this the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to me. The reason we are to reach the afflicted, the broken, those who are in prison, those who are not well, it's because they, they are the ones. They're the ones that are going to re- rebuild the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. That's the reason why we are to reach the city, especially the broken especially those who are in prison, especially those who are afflicted, especially those who are poor, Especially those who are in captivities, especially those who are confused, especially those who are struggling with their sins and their habits. Those are our audience. Those are our targets. We don't judge them. We don't condemn them. We see them as they are because God sees them as they are. He said they're the ones that will build up the ancient ruins. They're the ones who will raise the former devastations. Not some big preacher. God bless the big preachers. I love them too. You know, not some some big famous dude coming to town and do a show for a week or two or whatever and then you just leave town. Not those. They are the ones that you don't see today. They're the ones that are despise, unfortunately by many of our churches. I wonder what you do if you see a homeless man sitting outside the church. Stinky. What would you do? What would you do? Well, it depends how you look at him. If you look at the homeless person as just a homeless person because of his failure, failure of society, failure of whatever, then you stay away from him. But if you see that homeless person as the potential for this, your behavior will change. It's so quiet this morning. Not only homeless There are many people that have been brought into this country to work like a slave. Literally work like a slave. They're crying out for help and nobody's helping. They've been taken advantage of by the employer, so-called taskmaster. The teenagers, young adults, struggling. Struggling. Let's circle back to what we've been preaching. You can't love without the Holy Spirit. You can't love without the power of God. I believe the Holy Spirit is calling the church, this church, to start moving into, the, into compassion. You see... When Jesus was on earth, he focused on the poor. He focused on the prostitutes. He focused on the sinners. He focused on the people that we don't usually focus on as church. He focused on them. He loved them. But Jesus, in Acts, we told, Jesus of Nazareth was filled with the power of God. He had to be anointed to go about and healing those who were sick. Doing good and healing those who are sick. He could not have done that as man. He became a man. 100% man, the Word of God says. Without the, without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to demonstrate to you and us as man, we need the Holy Spirit in order to do this. To fulfill our mission. This is your mission. This is my mission. But I tell you this, you can't do it with your own strength. You need to mix your compassion with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you two stories and I'm going to close. The first story, some of you probably know, you're from the Philippines. It's a missionary by the name of Evelyn Thompson. Evelyn Thompson and her husband were missionaries to the Philippines. But in the 40s, God called them to build an orphanage in San Diego. I believe it's San Diego. And her story was being relayed in a book called New Testament Fire in the Philippines. So Evelyn Thompson and her husband, which was a very administrative person. He wasn't a preacher or whatever. He's just an amazing, supportive husband. And so, you know, Evelyn Thompson and her husband, they built an orphanage, and they thought, okay, they have fulfilled the mission. And all of a sudden, God said to them, that was in the 1940s, they built the orphanage, and around, close to 1950, the Holy Spirit spoke to them to go to the Philippines. And in the 1950s, if you want to go to the Philippines, you, you either have to travel by boat, and I believe they traveled with a, a, a ship with two Philippines, and it wasn't very comfortable. Anyways, they, they left their comfort zone. And they went to the island called Mindanao. Did I pronounce it right, Mindanao? Mindanao Island in the Philippines. It's just, at the time, just just forest, jungle. The compassion of Jesus Christ in them had compelled them out of their comfort zone in San Diego to a foreign place that don't even speak their language in a village that is remote in an island to love on people they don't know and don't look like them. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. They were sent from the four-square denomination, if you want to know the specific denomination. Fill with the Holy Spirit. There are many stories in that book, and one of the stories I believe will touch you. One time they were traveling from one area to another, and they passed by a beach, a village by the beach. And this village has this woman in the, in in in, uh, in, in, the, um, in the, in the, this village has this woman that she was demon possessed. We call, you know, she said that she was hysterical all the time, whatever, pretty much demon possessed. And so what they've done is that they built a bamboo shelter for her um, uh, away from the village, close by the beach. And it looks like a prison. It's just a bamboo shelter for her and her child. And so Evelyn and her husband were told about this couple. And so they, they said, we got, we got to go see them. So they went with a group of people. They went and, and they just, just saw this girl. They went into the house, the, the shelter. And, and they started to pray. They started to pray. And they pray in the spirit, you know. And, and nothing happened. So the Holy Spirit said to Evelyn, Just tell those who do not believe that she will be healed today to leave the room. There's no judgment on that. So she said, "You know, if any one of you do not believe that this girl will be deliver and saved, I ask you to leave. And there's no judgment on you. Just leave. And all of them left except her husband, herself, and one of the individual. And that's why I love about Kenneth Hagin preaching. One time is that, you know, if you're sitting here and you see miracles happen, or we believing for miracles, just stay neutral. That's the if that's the best you can do, stay neutral. Don't doubt. Don't be skeptical." Because you're interfering with the faith in this room," he said. Just stay. he always tell people that when you go, I don't know if you've been to someone's meeting, and he would say, "If you don't believe, just don't be critical. Just stay neutral. In your spirit test, stay neutral. Just don't think about anything, and let the rest of us who believe to continue to move on." But that's that's exactly what she was doing. She said, "If you don't believe, just just leave the room." And sometimes your skepticism, you know, and your unbelief really can 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 in fact it cause a, a problem in the atmosphere. And so you have to really be careful of your own spirit and your own attitude in the service. But anyways, so they left and three of them were praying. And she said she was pouring out. And her husband was so concerned because she was dehydrating, sweating, was hot. And, and they still have a lot of things to do. And, and, and it seems like she didn't want And so, so the husband tried to hold her. She's like, get your hands off me. I'm praying for this woman. So she was praying. She was intensive. She was praying. And she broke into tongues. And as soon as she broke in her tongues for like a, a 30 seconds or so, the, comp- the, the um, expression, the, the, the demeanor and, and her face demeanor changed. This, this, this young woman, her demeanor changed. Because she was speaking in a dialect, in a tribal dialect of this woman. And she said, I didn't know what I was saying the first few minutes. And while I was pursuing and keep on praying in the spirit, God began to reveal to me what it is I was saying. He said for on that moment in the next 30 minutes or so, she was able to understand the language, converse in that language. To make the long story short... This woman was set free. She was healed, and she was eventually restored back to her village with her husband and so forth. And, and the, the daughter grew up, and, 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 and that's, that's the story of, of that situation. But she said that after that 30 minutes, she had never understood again that language, even until the day she passed away in her 90s. She passed away when she was 92. Two things here you learn is that passion, compassion without the Holy Spirit is very limited. Yes, it's great, but you need the Holy Spirit to have compassion for the weak, for the imprisoned, for the poor, for the afflicted. The people who are in the prayer team, they not only need compassion, they need the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have no compassion, it's pretty useless too. Because if you can remember, Jesus was driven by compassion. Every time when he was to do miracles, the Word of God said he had compassion on them, Jesus, in fact, had compassion on people. One time he saw those people, they're like sheep without shepherd. He had compassion on them. There are people that come to Jesus and they were sick. The Word of God said Jesus had compassion on them. When they were hungry, they needed to be fed. Jesus performed a miracle to feed the 5,000 because he had compassion on them. You and I must have compassion. He said, I don't have it. Lord, I ask for those who are willing right now that that you have filled them with your compassion it is with your compassion combined with your holy spirit that we can touch the city and fulfill the mission that you have given to this church to this assembly let me tell you another story it's a story by the, of a person by the name of jamie buckingham and jamie buckingham if you are interested wrote a book called the summer of miracles he passed away of terminal disease This is a story about those of you who may be struggling in your sickness and disease or whatever you're struggling with, your sin or whatever, thinking that you're not qualified to serve God. Jamie Buckingham was a a minister, but he was diagnosed with a terminal disease. So he was sent to the hospital to do checking. So he was waiting in the lobby for for some x-ray or whatever, gamma ray or whatever. And he looked over down the hall. He saw a very uh, uh, sickly Asian man. Very sick, you know. It's like skin on bone. Devastated. And here, Jamie, he was sick himself. He said that was his compassion just rose within him. So he walked over. And he asked the gentleman if he could pray. But the gentleman he was Korean. He couldn't speak a word, and he just looked blank on his face. So a nurse stepped out from a room, hurting after hearing him say, "He he, he, he can't he can't he couldn't speak in English. He, he he's Korean." So anyways, he put his hand on this this a uh, uh, Korean gentleman, and he started to pray in tongues. He said, "I, I just don't know what I was doing. I just praying in tongues." And he opened his eyes. This old man started to smile, and tears started to come down in his eyes. He didn't make much of it. He just prayed and then he, he went back to his chair. And, and the next day, he went to church. And he was telling people the story. And a couple came. It's a Korean and Caucasian couple. The husband is a, a, a Caucasian and the wife is Korean. And they came and after the service and the wife was weeping and crying. She said, Pastor, that wasn't my dad. He was going to die and he died. But when you pray for him, you were preaching the gospel in Korean to him. And he had resisted the gospel all his life. And at that moment, he gave his heart to Jesus before he passed away. Ladies and gentlemen, you need passion. You need compassion. But you need the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, our words don't do anything. Our great charity didn't do anything. It is the Holy Spirit. I pray that you understand the mission of this church. We are so, you know, in so many of our churches, and including this one, we have major in so many things. Like a, it's almost like a Christian hobby gathering. Friends, this is the mission Jesus uttered for his church, and this is our mission. It hasn't changed.